This is On Call with Dr. Dave, and tonight I'm speaking with Scott. So Dr. Scott is one of my good friends. We've known each other for about, I don't know, when we meet, like 10 years ago, 2014, 2013? Yeah, look at that. Yeah, eight so like eight, eight years ago. So we've known each other for quite a while, and we are in the same specialty. And so we kind of have that connection there. And mm -hmm. Scott's going to tell us a few things about himself, and he has a couple stories for us tonight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Scott, I'm a... Uh... Ocular Plastics, is, as Dr. Dave was kind enough to introduce me as well, it's the same specialty out here in the beautiful Western North Carolina mountains. Um, and please, nobody look at coming into this area. If you share that specialty, there is no, no longer enough business to go around. So please <laughs> stay where you are um, and allow us to enjoy the beauty in our few that exist in Western North Carolina now. Um, but yeah, thanks for inviting me out, Dave. Happy to come on and share some some stories, hopefully some entertainment, you know, maybe some kind of learning value. I, I'm not sure what I can, <laughs> you know, generate, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, I think easiest probably start off with just some of the, I mean, medicine's pretty humorous sometimes. And one of the most humorous moments I had in medicine was actually on what most med students feared the most in third year. And that was my general surgery rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyone who's been in medicine knows that is eight weeks of misery, uh, third year for most people. Um, and I was down in Savannah, Georgia with a, a local private practice uh, general surgeon who, who blew me away the first day. And um, I, I show up in my white coat and my tie and standing there all like primmed and pressed and ready to go. And in walks this man parks his Cadillac on the curb of the main entrance of the hospital. He doesn't park in a parking space. Dude just parks on the curb, walks in, got a long silver ponytail. His, his white button down shirt is like halfway down his chest. He's got this gold <laughs> chain and silver chest hair just sticking out. And he just looks at me with this kind of crooked smile. He's like, you my new student boy. <laughs> and like, Yes, sir. And uh, he's like, yeah, I, I can't say exactly what he said at that point in time because I would be canceled. But it had something to do with the way the tie made me look. And uh, so I moved the tie at that time. And uh, we, he hopped in his car and we drove an hour out to his country clinic way out in Effingham County. And um, we're in there. And this, this is genuinely the first time I've met this man. I've never met someone with this strange level of charisma, yet completely crass sense of humor. And, but it, it lands with everyone. I don't, I don't know how he pulls it <laughs> off, but I mean, he, he can say wild things and people just love him. So a long, longer story, uh, trying to bring it, bring it down some, but incense. Patient was in there for a post-op visit. He'd uh, repaired, I believe, a hernia. Mm -hmm. And so it's an older woman, and, you know, she's just kind of classic, little small-town southern gal. And she says, well, well, well doctor, when when am I going to be out of all this pain? And uh, he sits back and draws a breath and looks at her, and he says, your crazy ass will be pain-free when that first shovel full of dirt hits your cold, dead face. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And and me, this third year med student, like first day of surgery, I'm like, oh, what did he say? And yeah. she just cracked up. She loved it. She ate up everything this man said. And um, 
So, of course, she follows that up with, um, and she says, well, well, Doc, what can you do about this pain in my knees? You know, he says, looks at her again, brief pause, and he says, your knees hurt you? And she says, oh, yes, for years. He's like, well, your knees hurt because they're so damn fat. <laughs> he said, help yourself to a diet. <laughs> and, um, and she, again, shockingly to me, just loved it. Died laughing, just got a kick out of it. She's like, oh, I know. <laughs> She's like, I just, I just love my sweets. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And so I, I knew I was in for a different general surgery experience uh, than most at that point mm-hmm. in time. Um, and there's a several other fun instances of that, man. But um, one was a story he told me that actually was not one that I was there for, but it's still, uh, it's a good one. And it, it, it kind of parlays from this guy. Just So he lived on about 250 acres and probably half of it was swamp. And uh, he had this meandering driveway and uh, he, he would periodically pull over and like, have the med student go and check his duck boxes. You know, like you're on this rotation, he drives you out to his house and let's go look at these duck boxes. So anyway, one of the other med students uh, had come in before me. Uh, he stopped and there was a um, a copperhead over kind of uh, on a, a bank of sorts off the driveway in the swampy area. And he looked at the guy and he says, you ever shot a pistol boy? And um, <laughs> this this particular person, he just says, well, yeah. And uh, I think the doc was a little surprised because he doesn't look like the sort of person that would routinely handle firearms if you were just stereotyping. In any sense, he pulls out his glove box and rips out this three fifty seven Magnum and he says, here, why don't you give it a try? And he points out the snake on the, you know, maybe, I don't know, 20 feet away. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, Kid pulls back the handle, you know, cracks off around. Apparently, it went like skin right of the snake's head. For whatever reason, the snake didn't react, just kind of hung out there. He lined up a second shot, and the snake's head just exploded, just nailed it. <laughs> and uh, so the doc is pretty impressed. You know, he's blown. He's like, mm-hmm. "What? Where'd you learn to shoot like that?" You know. And um, turned out this uh, my my co uh, my classmates brother is actually a uh, marine recon scout sniper who taught him how to shoot <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, that was just the, his that's who he was and he still is obviously he's alive he calls me probably once every six months or so to check in but, oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah so that's my general surgery experience like just more things like that continuously and uh, it was one of the best rotations and ultimately what led me into a surgical field more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I just really got to see the joy of running a practice in, in a surgical field where you can take a problem and fix it directly and really make a difference in somebody's mm-hmm. life, both by building that relationship and rapport with them, but also, you know, taking their problem and making it better. And, and that's one of the most rewarding things we get to do in medicine. So uh, I really yeah. have always been appreciative of him, both for his, antics but also his his candor and his example and so it was mm-hmm. just always real blunt with me which was kind of helpful at the time because i um I, I remember talking to him and he would always quiz me because we were driving to all these rural clinics mm-hmm. and it's like i think at one point in time 
we first started off and he, he showed me his little letter recommendation he wrote me yeah at the end of the thing he's like if you need one you know you know but but in there it'll, it's something effective it's like well first met dr scott he was about as dumb as a doornail <laughs> but by the end of the rotation he really came around <laughs> he just you know, he, he brought out some uh i, I guess uh flaws that you know i had to work on as far as those um study habits it really made a big difference for me but uh yeah, well, i think that's the stuff so, that no, makes the big guy. difference yeah so for for me you know like i feel like just academic medicine has to be so regimented you have to pass all the same tests you have to show up they're teaching you to be this professional person in all situations and so i, I think we sometimes lose our personality like what makes us us and then when you yeah. get out of all your training this is the way you practice because that's the way the people that trained you practice. You say the same words that they say, you say it the same way. And after a while, I think it just starts to come. You realize that like, this isn't me. And so mm -hmm. your personality comes out. So, you know, it, when, I, when I'm with patients, I'm much more just kind of my natural self now than I used to be. It used to be very much like this is, you know, it was like kind of robotic almost yeah. because that's the, how they put things out. So I, I would have loved to work with a guy like that, which is not, you know, not the, to emulate yeah. him exactly, but just to say, you know, it's okay to be yourself. And if you're authentic yeah. with people, they'll respond well to that. Even if it seems a little crass on the outside, they knew he had a good heart. He knew they had a good heart. And, you know, that's kind of how they came to that common yeah, ground, think, it sounds like. Yeah, I would say there's, there's only one other doc I worked with that ever struck me uh, as very similar personality. He, he was also an oculoplastics person, now retired, but a well-known legend in our field. I won't throw names out there, but <laughs> I know anyone in oculoplastics might be able to guess who the uh, senior, very crass oculoplastic surgeon historically <laughs> I'm referring. Uh, but also someone I really respect and, and learned a lot from. Um, other you know, stories, I mean, in, in medicine, you know, obviously there's the humorous things. There's the um, real, uh, real life checks too. And I think, Dave, you may have uh, been around for this particular case when we were in uh, residency um, where the young girl that got a, mauled by the dog. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you were still. I think you were. But in any sense, to try to bring the story short, because it is long, um, four-year-old girl uh, came into the ER after being attacked by a dog, and she was living in functionally a meth house. And the people present were her mother and her older sister. Uh, the father was not there. And the son, her brother, who's older, came home and was asking, you know, where is so-and-so? Where is the little girl? And nobody in the home had a clue. And so they were looking for looking for And they eventually find her outside in the backyard inside their dog pen um, with basically her scalp and face degloved from roughly the bridge face uh. of her nose here all the way back to her skull base and um you know there's just gravel and mud and dog muck and and all kinds of stuff just embedded into her skull and down into her like into the web of her neck and mm -hmm. he's got bites all over her legs and arms and abdomen and she is fully lucid in the er uh, wow. just standing there able to even converse still by the time they, they called us in um, because she had a total degloving of her eye and there was just basically uh, orbital rim and then an eyeball sitting there and 
so they wanted us to you know, come check out the eye. Well, mm-hmm. obviously, there's lots of other work to be done. Um, and oddly enough, our oculoplastics faculty was on call that weekend as well. So we all went in and, and we just got to work trying to clean and scrub and clean and scrub. And, um, you know, when she went back to OR, I think every roughly six to eight hours for, for over a week, um, just to get more cleaning, more everything done. Mm-hmm. And I was able to see her um, a year or so later, um, just randomly, I think I was in the general plastics clinic and this smaller, oh my gosh, you know, like this little girl. Um, but the most tragic thing of the whole situation too was that nobody went to jail. The girl was returned to her home and um, because they couldn't, decide whose fault it was because the girl's father who lived in that home wasn't there and so they for whatever i don't know how this these decisions were made but it was just horrifying for me to see like there's this this wonderful little child that is in this situation and there's nothing that within our power as physicians or what we can do i mean we can Mm -hmm you know, tell the story, we can, you know, and whatnot, but you know, there's, there's a bit of a, a tough situation and an imperfect system out there. And we just try to take the best care of these folks we can, but I mean, that, that poor little girl, I mean, I don't know what she's going home to, um, these days. And, uh, but I mean, that was by far the most tragic thing that I'd ever seen. And mm-hmm. uh, it really stuck with me. And, you know, at the time I wasn't a parent and you know, now I've got three kids and, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, I mean, it's, uh, right. it's something I always recall, you know, when I, when I see these kids in tough situations, you know, I'm like, you know, what can I do in my role now, uh, to, to try to work on that. And that's another thing that is nice in medicine to, to be able to see and try to help. And you would do, certainly have a duty to you know, report concerning the circumstances and ophthalmology. Of course, we do a lot of these non-accidental trauma consults. Uh, another tragic, you know, thing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so that's, you know, not one of the light stories in, in our field, but it's one of the real stories and you know, mm-hmm. all that's out there. Um, so that's another one that I always, I guess, recount when people are going through like major things that impacted your career as a, as a physician and, and the things you want to look, you look out for and that draw your attention, you know, like, you know, are these kids with their parents acting normal? Do they act like they're afraid of their parents? Do they act, you know, or, you know, or do they seem safe? And, you know, I think just two days ago in our office, we had a mom who was there with her kid for a routine eye exam. And the mother wouldn't even go in the room because she just sat out in the hallway asleep. <laughs> and she was, uh, I mean, you could see track marks in her arm. And, and so, you know, we actually did call, uh, cps that day you know and, and but yeah these things are out there and you know we're in mm-hmm. somewhat of a role to to try to do what we can to help yeah. So, yeah yeah those pediatric ones stick with me a lot more than the other ones too because yeah you're there and you you want to help so much and sometimes you you can only do so much within the system and so when those kids are in front of you, you try to show them as much love and attention as you can but yeah, it's out of our control where they go. We sometimes talk with child protective services, but at the end of the day, the decision isn't ours where they go. And I just remember so many times wanting yeah. to just take these kids home with me and just be like, I can, yeah. I can treat you right. And I even, I even met a few nurses when I was on the pediatric wards that had mm-hmm. taken care of kids in the hospital for a year. And the parents were so 
non-attentive during that year that the nurse actually, mm-hmm. you know, got legal guardianship and it ended up adopting this kid that she took care of for a year. So, you know, these, these people that come in and out of our lives, even if it's like for a short period of time, they, they impact us. Yeah. I mean, you're thinking about this girl like six, seven years later and it changes the way we practice medicine. It's, it's, it's rough sometimes. And it's sometimes with kids, there's clear rules on like how we interact with them and we can contact people. We even have a suspicion that there's abuse. It's sometimes harder when there's a young adult or, you know, mm-hmm. a woman in the clinic that you suspect there's abuse going on. But as an adult, mm-hmm. legally, we're not supposed to, you know, make a report. We can encourage, we can ask them to, but legally, we're not supposed to call unless the woman asks us to call. And so like, when I go in to sew somebody up that's been hit, you know, in the middle of the night and yeah. it's obvious spousal abuse, I, when, when I'm sewing up, I, I try to tell them, you don't have to live like this. There's other options, but uh, th- yeah, those are the, those are the things that stick with you. I yeah, mean, we, ha- we yeah. have a, we see the sad things, but we also have this moment with these people sometimes that maybe we can intervene. Maybe it's a, it's a turning point in their life with just something we can say, and maybe it's not, but uh, we can only yeah. do what we can do in the moment. That was uh, one of my mentors in fellowship. You know, he had a similar scenario where, uh, you know, a woman had come in and she had a, a blowout fracture of the floor and, said that she fell and hit her face on the door or something. And, and, um, but it was, you know, a, a, a domestic partner abuse. And mm-hmm. this was sort of like, it wasn't the first thing, but it was early on. But then two weeks later, he killed her. Um, ah. so, I mean, you know, uh, he, he went through the conversation whether, do you feel safe at home? Are you, are you, is there anything I need, anyone I need to tell, et cetera? And she just, no, 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 no. But I mean, that, really stuck with him and even the story stuck with me like i mean these you know when you see those things if your radar goes off i mean mm-hmm. there's a reason for it you know, but uh but on a lighter note when back to your talking about nicu patients there is no one that hates ophthalmology residents more than a nicu nurse i'm pretty <laughs> sure uh, no one thinks that they're convinced we are there to torture these poor premature babies uh with their nat exams and uh I had one in particular that I had a fun interaction with. Um, there's a baby that was on contact precautions, uh, contact mm-hmm. only, not droplet, not airborne, just contact. Um, and it w- it was in a, a little NICU stall next to uh, one of our babies for exam. However, there was no barrier. The, the baby was not in an isolation room. It was just mm-hmm. out on the floor. It was just contact. And so I'm standing there. and um, between our baby and the contact baby. And I guess I'm a little bit too close to the contact baby. And the nurse makes a point to come over and stop me. She's, you need to have on a gown and gloves to be near this child. And I'm like, what do you mean the contact precaution baby? And she's <laughs> like, yes. I'm like, well, I'm not touching this child. She's like, you're in that child's area. I was like, well, can you, could you please <laughs> highlight for me where the invisible barrier is that is preventing this baby from contaminating this baby. <laughs> I mean, I'm just curious. Is there a, is there a sharp delineation that I have crossed over? Is it the halfway point? <laughs> and uh, I got written up, I think, for that, but it was worth it. Ultimately. Well, I think it's it's pretty common. We butt heads with other specialties, or like sometimes doctors with nurses, nurses with like nurse practitioners. 
it's yeah. we all care about these patients we all want to do a good job but like we all have a different viewpoint on how to do it and then we're in a stressful situation you know we're thinking about what we're there to do they're thinking mm-hmm. about something else and so i think it's inevitable that we butt heads but the nice thing is i think most of us get along pretty well outside of those like brief encounters where like oh, there's yeah. you know like yeah everything gets raised and then you see him next time and you're fine or you talk mm-hmm. to him in another situation like i don't think a lot of us take it personally because we all know that medicine's a stressful environment and sometimes yeah. we say things and yeah. do things and we just have to move on with our lives <laughs> yeah i appreciate you coming on hi this is dr dave thank you so much for listening to this week's episode please rate review and share this episode so that we can continue to get you more stories in the future